The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic multiverse. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. That's right. I'm Danny Vincent. And this week, we're going to discuss how Avatar caused many blockbusters to look way more dated than they should. Yep, it's Men in Black 3's 10th anniversary, and we're looking back on the original ending to the air quotes classic trilogy (laughs) (laughs) oh this has been quite a time for the past three weeks i actually think this has been one of the more fun i think these last three weeks have been pretty fun i think they have been pretty fun yeah it's been nice to take a break from the superhero stuff and uh and not just do like watching art house films by directors that are inexplicably directing a marvel movie (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) like watching other blockbusters that are fun that I, I haven't seen in years. Well, at least he's la- this one I haven't seen ten years. So I want. I wonder if at big Hollywood producer parties, if they have you know how like in life there's that roulette that you spin, and then it like lands on a number. Well, I wonder if they if they have instead of numbers they have different directors. Like it's just on a rotating thing that goes in there. And so they land on the number and then that corresponds to a director and they're just like, okay, uh, producer, uh, Kevin Feige, let's see who's going to direct the next Marvel movie. And then he spins it and then he's like, uh, so yeah, we're going to get, uh, Kate Shortland to direct Black (laughs) Widow. (laughs) That reminds me of uh, something I read, uh, to give some brief Marvel news for you guys, because it's not really, I don't don't think it's interesting really, but the, the thing I sent you about, um, Dakota Johnson playing Madam Web. That just feels like such a Mad yeah. Libs to me. Uh, and I read that apparently they originally asked Jennifer Lawrence, which I think is even funnier. <laughs> like the idea of Jennifer Lawrence just being cold called and be like, do you want to be Madam Web? And her just being, no. <laughs> uh, and th- this is a spunk. Sony movie, isn't it? Yeah. So it's real. Spunk. To- this yeah. Spunk. spunk. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like, I feel like Sony it like called up on like a 2003 Nokia and they were like, <laughs> can you hear me? Do you, they still have that? Like they sound super like distant over the phone. And they're like, Jennifer Lawrence, we would like to extend the honor. And then it cuts out. And she's like, yeah. Huh? Okay, and then they call back, right. they call back and the, we want to extend the honor. Do, do, do you just want to be Madam Webb? And then she's like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I really, and I think the reaction to be like, who? Like, is that like Spider Gwen? No, it's someone else. Okay, but bye. Yeah, she's like, oh, it's the female spider. No, no, it's not. It, it's, it's, it's like stronger. Oh, so it's like, it's like the Thanos of, of Spider Man's universe. No, no. And then no, she's it's probably not. like, did you not see that I was in those X Men movies and I hated them? <laughs> Watch an X Men film. Jeez. <laughs> Anyway, um, Men in Black 3. Uh, first, we're going to yes. talk about our past experience with the movie. Tyler, I assume you don't have a past experience because you told me this is your first time watching it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's pretty much my past experience is around lunchtime today. Right. <laughs> I, 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 watched, I watched Men in Black 3 on Amazon Prime um, in 4K UHD. I imagine yeah. this transfer yeah. probably actually looked the nicest. Cause I actually think this movie looks very nice. I would argue that the first one looked the nicest. In, oh, I, I watched all three in 4K. I would argue that the first uh, Men in Black looked the best. Um, and that's because of them using practical effects so much oh. more. Like There's such a heavy preference and sure. it, it just looks so much better. I, I do want to talk about the effects later but not quite yeah. yet. But what I what I was referring to more is I think this movie has is much more colorful than the oh, other two. 
Like yeah. the use of color is very crisp in it throughout. And I imagine that really popped on your 4K. Um, my, my past experience with Men in Black 3, I've alluded to it in the past, is I saw this at a drive-in. Because when I was, it came out my, I had just, no, it came out in May. But I think I saw it right after, in, in summer. I think I saw it in summer. So I just finished sophomore year of high school. Uh, and we always would just like to go to the drive-in when they had like two movies we hadn't seen, you know, because mm-hmm. then it's like, all right, I'm not really wasting my time here. because it's going to be two new movies. Uh, and they were showing Madagascar three and men in black three. And I'd seen the previous two Madagascar movies. And I was like, well, the third Madagascar movie is actually the best one. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And, and I, I'm never going to like, I don't, know I haven't seen I it in have. 10 years. I haven't seen it in 10 years. So I don't know how accurate this is. But I remember being really impressed with it because it's very, like, much more, like... The other ones try to have, like, character arcs, but Madagascar 3 is just like, nah, this is stupid, so we're just going to make a very funny, stupid movie. So, like, it works. Um, I think I may have seen it. It's Europe's Most Wanted. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've I, seen I, it, the, but maybe, maybe like, once. So I do think the title Madagascar Escape to Africa is one of the funniest titles ever in history. Because Madagascar is in Africa. You can't escape to Africa from Madagascar. You're already from there. From Madagascar. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I, mean, I get that it's the mainland, but like the title's nonsense. Anyway, but I hadn't seen Men in Black 1 when I saw Men in Black 3, which I think, and we'll get into this, I think that helps me stomach certain aspects of it more and like it more. Mm-hmm. But I remember being like, really impressed even having not seen the previous one with this well not like really impressed but being like huh that was good i was expecting this to be like the one we make fun of you know because that's usually what you do at the drive-in is make fun of the movies but both the movies were good um and i've never watched it since seeing it at the drive-in in 20 june 2012 whereas i've seen <laughs> men in black one multiple times not uh, as i've said in the past i rarely see men in black one by choice it just kind of gets thrown at me and i get stuck watching it because other people are watching it this is your gift your curse, your yeah. curse, your gift. I wish it was Men in Black 3 being thrown at me. All right. General thoughts. Tyler, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I, I go first. I don't I don't have much much to say <laughs> about this one. Like, I go first, Danny. I meant to say I can go first. And yeah, I don't know if that came out in translation. Um, I go first, Danny. Okay, I go first. Um, so... Yeah, I don't have don't have much to say. It's it feels like a movie that doesn't try to do anything, but also at the same time is trying to do something. Like it's it has a vision, you know, and uh, it's it's got a message necessarily. Or rather, I mean, it is a much nicer sequel to Men in Black One than what Men in Black Two is. Yeah, I like I I enjoyed parts of it i as a cohesive whole it's i watched it the one time and i i don't know if i'll you know rewatch, but uh but yeah like i enjoyed enjoyed parts of it and um general thoughts i give it a, give it a three out of five so what about uh you what are your general thoughts so i think i'm not gonna give it a grade because i think the men in black franchise in general to me just a, a good Men in Black movie is three out of five, right? Like to me, I don't think it's ever going to pass that. Personally, mm. it's just the the appeal of the franchise to me. So I'm not going to grade it, yeah, because yeah. it's going to make it sound way worse than it is. I think that although the first one is obviously a more con- better constructed film, I think this would be my favorite. If just because it kind of hits the buttons, I really like, kind of in the sense that. You know, there's always an argument over, like, what's the best X-Men movie, right? Like, Days of Future Past, X2, mm-hmm. or Logan are always ones coming up. And I always land on Days of Future Past because, much like this one, that I am a sucker for a good time travel f- plot. Mm, gotcha. And I think this has a really fun time travel plot. I think going back to the 60s production design for this movie looks and costume design is really cool and fun. Um, I think this movie, for the most part, and we will talk about when it doesn't, takes the criticisms of the previous films like in a really good way, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think the portrayal of women here outside of the beginning is miles better than it's been in the previous films. It has. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it grounds will uh, J and K's characters in a, 
a sense that the other two never do. Like their relationship is the focus of the film and it's the emotional center of the film. It feels like we met like watching this. It feels like we missed a movie between men in black one and men in black three, you know, like it was 10 years. So to me, and we probably did. Um, but my, my last point I'm going to make before we get into like talking about the various aspects is the thought I had on it. The main thought I had while I was watching it was with Men in Black 2, I was like, this just feels like an episode of the Men in Black show. This feels mm. like a movie. This feels like yeah. really important stuff is happening. Stuff that does not ever happen at Men in Black. You know, like, because that's why I was like, the other two just feel like like regular occurrences for Men in Black. This is a world ending threat that requires time travel to get to the heart of these characters, like emotional well-beings. This is a movie. This is not gotcha. a TV, gotcha. TV episode. Yeah. And that's what I really like about it. Are there issues? Of course. Of course. But I think the positives of this movie outweigh the negatives to like, and it feels really kind of like it's the most shocking thing about it is how emotionally strong it is. The fact that we have a men in black movie with Will Smith Mm-hmm. as a lead where it actually has a, a remarkable emotional core to it is really rather impressive to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's dig in. All right. Where do you want to start? Cause I, I can jump all over the place. I kind of want to start with, so this is a, you know, a sequel and I kind of want to start about how like 2012 was like a year for sequels. Madagascar 3. And, Madagascar 3 we already had it there Underworld (laughs) Underworld Awakening Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance Journey Avengers is like Marvel Movie 7 or whatever number that's true yeah yeah Yeah. Journey to uh, the Mysterious (laughs) Island Uh, Wrath of the Titans American Reunion Men in Black 3 of course Madagascar 3 Step Up Revolution the Dark Knight Rises, Ice Age Continental Drift. I think Men in Black 3 is better than Dark Knight Rises. Than Dark Knight Rises. Sorry, my, no my favorite's Sorry, no not, not been, uh, not been said yet. yet. Okay. Yeah. Expendables 2, uh, Born Norse. Legacy. Uh, <laughs> no. You're like calling the Born Legacy a sequel. It's such a yeah, it's even not. It <laughs> this, I don't understand this list, but anyways. Uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Dog Days. Um, Resident Evil Retribution. Uh, let's see here. Silent Hill Revelations 3D. Um, Paranormal Activity 4. Wow, uh, only number four? Yeah, I would have thought there would be third into it than that. Taken 2. <laughs> the cleaners. Um, let's see here. Should have been taken to Madagascar. <laughs> yes. Taken to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Escape to Liam Neeson. Uh, the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part 2. And then my favorite out of, li- out of the list, Skyfall. Skyfall is really good. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look at the list to really say my favorite of them. I will say, I, I don't know why. I recently watched Ice Age Continental Drift, and it was like uh, something I immediately regretted, but I also was like, yeah, finish this. Uh, did you hear the thing about Scrat? I think this, no. is, this is interesting news. It's not it has nothing to do with Marvel, but I think the listeners, if they haven't heard this news, would find it fascinating. So Disney bought Fox. So they got Ice Age by proxy. Right? Yeah. Um, and there's a new Ice Age piece of content. It's not a movie. I mean, it is it, a piece it, of content, all right. It's it, it, it's on, a piece, all right. <laughs> it's, it's an 82-minute film, air quotes, about the Simon Pegg's character from the third Ice Age movie. Scrat is not in it, and this is weird. Well, it recently came out that there was someone who sued uh, Fox saying that they stole scrap from them and they won. So Disney has Ice Age, the franchise. Now they own it, but they cannot use the only part of Ice Age that anyone likes. So I think that is really funny. It is a to me, Ice Age is a useless franchise. You can't have Scrat. It is the only thing people yeah. actually like in Ice Age. I mean, like aside aside from aside from uh, the uh, first two films, I don't I don't really watch anything beyond that. With Ice I Age, liking the third one, but like, it's is that the also, one with the dinosaurs? 
Yeah, it's a dinosaur yeah. one. Yeah, I think we, I think we've had this conversation. <laughs> it's the best one. I haven't seen it since 2009. <laughs> That's like I was like, Men in Black Three. It's the best one I haven't seen since 2012. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, and then also like you and I had a we we had had a conversation uh, before recording about how like movies were really big about doing like 3D. Uh, oh like yes, what I had said with. Uh, one of those movies that was in 3D. It was Silent Revelation. Hill. Silent yeah. Hill Re- yeah, Silent uh, Hill Revelation. I think the 3D in this is kind of, it's one of the things about this that really dates it to be in 2012. Because I think the rest of this feels like a nice throwback blockbuster. It's like when yeah. I see it, uh, I'm trying to think of a more recent example, but we haven't had blockbusters the last years. You know what I mean? Like we haven't right. had them. But like, like whenever yeah. there's like a movie that comes out that feels like a 90s movie, like the Jumanji movies. I feel like The Rock and Kevin Hart's Jumanji movies feel like mm-hmm. 90s blockbusters. Mm. Uh, and to me, this feels just like it would fit along the other two outside of the uh, 3D uh, effects. Yeah. Which are very uh, cringe for the most part, but I do like the ridiculously long time jump sequence that I imagine was really cool to see in 3D. But I think it's cool. I think it's nice to see Men in Black like indulge in that. Like, yeah. The, 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 the time jump stuff. Because it adds a sense of awe to this movie that definitely is not in two at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> definitely not there. <laughs> it comes across. It comes across. I I will say that it like it translates without. I didn't know this was in three D, so I just thought that the CGI was really really bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it doesn't translate the greatest to home release, which I've always thought thought that about three uh, D. Uh, 3D films, but but yeah, I'm really glad that's something that we've gotten away from because I remember it was like just summer after summer after summer. It was like, oh, you want to go see the new Marvel movie? And it's like, yeah, do you want to see it in 3D or 2D? And, <laughs> 2D? <laughs> yeah, I was, one, I was one of those people that I was duped. I was like, yeah, I have to, I have to see this in 3D. So I saw uh, Avengers Age of Ultron in 3d and then like a week later i saw it in 2d and i was like okay yeah i didn't miss out on anything i don't think i've ever seen an mcu i don't think i've ever oh i saw guardians of the galaxy in 3d and it was an imax 3d which was actually kind of cool oh yeah that was cool what they did was um the film wasn't shot in imax but what james gunn did for that one is he had so the black bars right because there's going to be black bars because it wasn't shot for the aspect ratio he had the 3d effects go out of the black bars which i thought was really fun that is cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last 3D movie I saw, coincidentally enough, was Gemini Man. And I said, because that's Will Smith. That is, yeah. And I actually really enjoyed that movie as a 3D experience. I would never recommend someone to watch it at home. Never. But in 3D, in, in high frame make 3D, it felt like I was in a video game in the best sense. Yeah, I was really. going to say, I think I remember you wrote... You wrote a review for uh, the newspaper when I was yeah, looking for the newspaper. I, I think I was. Yeah. I, I must have written something where it was like, "You were this like, this move, is a this, this is a good movie. video game." Yeah, well, it's something where it was like, "This movie is phenomenal." If you can see it in one of the four theaters in the United States that are projecting it the way it is supposed to be, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like. Fortunately, I got to do that. Unfortunately, none of you will be able to. So you should probably skip this. <laughs> yeah um but that was the last 3d movie i saw that was like something that was like a movie that i chose to see in 3d before that was how to train your dragon and alita battle angel <laughs> the only other superhero movie i've seen in 3d besides um the one i said to you um uh besides guardians was spider-verse which was kind of cool in 3d mm. but i yeah, also that was like kind of though it's kind of like a 3d is cool but like I'd rather have the colors be vibrant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways, men in black (laughs) three, let's talk before we really get in the movie, we should talk about stuff that isn't in the movie. That has defined this franchise up to the point, mainly in the sense that I feel like, whereas the first film, the second film doesn't listen at all to the complaints of the first film. I think this movie immediately takes them to heart outside of a few of them. And that the Frank, the pug does not appear. Yes. And it's because the dog who played the, the pug died. It had been 15 years since the first movie. So I yeah. can't really say was, <laughs> that's too much of a surprise, sadly. Um, Adios, I, doggo. I think that uh, the only reason it's weird that he's not there is that the worms are still there. 
So like the worms can show up for a fan service cameo that are really annoying, but the dog doesn't. But like mm-hmm. also, I think the dog was so obnoxious in yes, Man in Black Two that like him not being there, I'm like, oh nice, okay, this is good, good good call movie. And of course, Rip Torn isn't there because um the actor was not hadn't passed away yet, but he was very sick at the time of filming. Uh, he had definitely been retired. But I also think uh, bringing in Emma Thompson, Emma Emma Thompson. Is an actress who, whenever I see her in something, I go like, "Ah, oh, yes, Emma Thompson, international treasure." Because I don't think I've ever seen Emma Thompson like give up like a performance that wasn't at least somewhat engaging. Like, yeah, she never phones it in. She can be in the worst possible movie and be like, "Oh, well, Emma Thompson's here. I'm gonna enjoy these scenes," you know. Mm-hmm. And in this, she doesn't really get to do anything ever, but it's still like, "Ah, Emma Thompson's here. Cool." <laughs> like, um, but yeah. Is she uh, in an MCU movie? I don't believe I don't, so. She's in Men in Black so. International. She's, <laughs> she's in Men in Black International. Um, she's the only character they bring back. Which is a... Uh, I don't think she's an MCU movie. because she's in. I don't think she likes doing block... I mean, she'll do them, but I don't yeah. think she ever goes for them, you know? If she had been in one, she would have probably been like in a Thor sequel if Branagh had stuck around. Yeah. You know? Oh, she was in... um. Well, that was the most recent blockbuster she was in. She was in. She was uh, Professor Trelawney in the Harry Potter films. Yeah, I was gonna I say. I know no she's idea. in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, yeah. She also is um in the Beauty and the Beast remake. Oh, and she was she was the voice of Captain Amelia in Treasure Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's that's, that's a good role that I always forget to see. Yeah, it's uh, I think I think it's getting to the point where it's getting rated again appropriately. Like I, I like Treasure Planet, but I feel like it's becoming a movie that everyone goes like underrated and I'll, it's getting to the point where i'm like it was but now we all talk about it yeah at least yeah, my friends I mean, do. You now, know what I mean? yeah and then yeah. now now it is now it is whereas like the emperor's new groove is a movie that people can be like underrated and i'll still be like yeah that's still underrated you know <laughs> like like it, yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. still underrated that movie's a masterpiece <laughs> like <laughs> uh but uh anyway uh what was i gonna say well anyway men in black three let's get let's get the bad stuff out of the way first okay so the uh, villain. Yeah. <laughs> villain Tyler, give, is give your thoughts first. Okay, yeah. So right off the bat, you, they open the movie with this villain that we know nothing about. We have no history with this villain. It's it's just a very generic intro opening. Oh, the bad guy got out of jail. Um and it's also I I mean there's all kinds of just gross stuff that we don't like in that intro anyways. But uh, I want to focus on that villain. He, I honestly thought, Felicia and I both thought this, we honestly thought it was Tim Curry playing this guy. And instead, it's another guy, uh, Jermaine, I'm trying to... Jermaine Clement, you don't know... Yeah. Jermaine, you know who Jermaine Clement, Clement is? I know, I know that he's in he's in like that alien movie or something. He is type uh, one of Taika Waititi's best friends. He's a well, he's a Men in Black three. Sorry, you he's in Avatar <laughs> two, three, four, and five. Oh, that's good for him. No, he's yeah. in What We Do in the Shadows. Um, I've I've not seen. That. I know you haven't seen it, but he's like he's a very he's a very funny guy. Marvel That's, wise, uh, Marvel property wise, he's in Legion. That uh, yeah, TV he's show great on, on Legion. He's I've, really good at Legion. I started Legion, and then I I uh, stopped, and I need to get back to it because I seen Moana, actually really right? liked it. I've seen parts of Moana. He's the the shiny crab. If you got to that part, yep. Uh, Doesn't nope. that sound like Tyler got to the shiny crab? No, anyway, no, he didn't. My issue with Jemaine Clement in this is that he's not funny <laughs> and Jemaine Clement is hilarious right. and the only time he gets to be funny is the scene where he like acts with himself briefly and he's like no you idiot shut up and it's like oh there's there's the dumb Jemaine Clement comedy I know we're gonna have it once in this entire movie that's a comedy he's in dinner for schmucks okay yeah I liked him he's in a that good- one He's a good comedian. He's really funny. Um, I think I'm confusing him with. You're gonna love him when we watch what we do in the shadows else. for our take episode. 
Oh, he yeah. He was nominated for the Team Choice Award for Best <laughs> Movie Villain for this movie. That's a bad nom. That's not a good nomination. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I just... It feels like Jermaine Clement is playing Tim Curry, playing Boris the Animal, which, like, I understand we already have that with Josh Brolin playing Tommy Lee Jones playing Agent K. But, yeah, it it reads the wrong... It reads the wrong way, and it it's... it's Can I just point it's out... It's just bad. Jermaine Clement I, is not the worst nomination for Best Villain in a Movie at the Teen Choice Awards this year. Because, uh... Rosie Fiends for The Amazing Spider-Man 1 is nominated... <laughs> 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 I just have to I have to just point that out. Like there there was a worse nomination here. <laughs> no, yeah, uh I agree. The villain's the villain kind of stinks, but here's the thing. Here's the main the thing. Yes, the villain could be better. But and I've said this about other Marvel movies too. Like, okay, we already talked about it on this podcast, like this episode. Guardians of the Galaxy. The villain is terrible. Ronan the Accuser sucks. Yeah. He does. He's, he's, he's pretty bland, yeah. That movie's still great. Now, I'm not saying Men in Black 3 is on the level of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Of Guardians, yeah. But I think this movie is way more focused on the character relationship between J and K that the mm-hmm. villain is just kind of incidental. Like, we don't need a strong villain because the climax of the movie isn't them really stopping Boris and putting the thing on it. The climax of the movie is Will seeing uh, the origin story of, like, not origin, you know what I mean, like, seeing his dad. Yeah. That's yeah. the actual climax of the film. Because that, the major dramatic question of this movie, like, plot-wise is, will they be able to stop Boris? But emotionally, and that's what really sticks with us more, is what is the secret that Jay is, Kay is hiding from Jay? You know, that's really what you're wondering the whole movie is like, it's weird that he has a secret, um, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Which, I mean, I would have, I would have honestly been fine if like Boris wasn't even in the film. Just give us something with time travel and they have to make, I don't, it, the whole plot falls apart if you don't have Boris, but I think you need, yeah, I think you need him. Uh, to me, the issue is more, th- and I think the thing is about Boris is like we might, we can talk as bad as we want about him. He's still better than the villain in the second one. <laughs> like he is still yeah. better than her. Yeah. He's, like. Yeah, I mean he sees slightly, but he's slightly better. But very faint yeah. praise, but he's better. He's not. He's not a highlight. I'd agree. He's not a highlight of this movie. He's kind of. He's very forgettable. Yeah. But the ever bad thing about this movie. I would say is weirdly enough, it's um a guy who and I'm, I'm, this might be controversial. It'll be the guy who was our MVP a couple of times. I think Tom Lee Jones is phoning in his performance for the most part, um, which is fine. It's very obvious he doesn't want to be there, which is how they have this workaround with Josh Brolin, who yeah. clearly does want to be there. So it's okay. No pun intended. No, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but. The thing is, is that's also good about that is that even though he does phone it in, it also feels kind of intentional because he doesn't phone it in the last scene when he's back. Yeah. So it, it feels like a very purposely tired and old thing where it's supposed to be, yes, these years have passed and we have it. And that's why we get that ending that feels nice. And we get to see the time Lee Jones spark that we used to have mm-hmm. in the old movies. But yeah. The issue is, is that it takes us 35 minutes to jump into the past. <laughs> I, I checked the timestamp when he does the time jump. It's 35 minutes into a movie that is an, about an hour and 40 without credits. Mm, which the first 25 minutes are cringe. Yeah. So, so you have, <laughs> without the first 25 minutes, you have, what, an hour... 15 ish. Yeah, yeah, hour hour 15 movie. Hour 15 is so good. (laughs) 10 minutes in, you're automatically jumping into time travel. So there we go. That's the uh, Ty and Dan cut of Men in Black 3. Yeah, well, the the way Ty and Dan would just do it is have them be like, oh, sounds like Boris is back. That's dangerous. And then we'd have the scene with them on the phone and like they're both on the phone and he's playing video games. What's just playing video games? 
And yeah. Me- he just immediately die, and that's when the title appears. <laughs> Men in Black 3, and everybody's like, oh no. <laughs> and that's where you put the opening sequence. That's <laughs> like, Tommy Lee Jones just die in the opening scene of this movie. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and my contribution to it would be anytime Boris starts to talk, he's just interrupted. Just something I, was gonna I don't say, care birds the, the, birds the person get in I want to make which make is that it reminds me of Taika Waititi's role in um, Green Lantern where it's weird to come back to this movie much like it's weird to come back to Green Lantern and see both of these great New Zealand comedians in these movies and given absolutely nothing to work with mm, yeah they're, they're both they're both like yeah we'll do, like you can tell they probably weren't complaining on set because this was a big breakthrough for them. You know, they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, I get this is a Will Smith movie and this is just going to raise my profile. Right. Um, it just feels like a bummer now because we know there's so much untapped potential there. Especially mm-hmm. when you get cameos from like Bill Hader in this movie. That's hilarious, even though he's only in the movie for a minute. that they couldn't find anything for Jim and Clement to do. Yeah. I mean, it is a great. Uh, it is a great uh, networking yeah. opportunity i guess because you're looking at a cast of will smith tommy lee jones josh brolin jermaine clement emma thompson uh michael stuhlbarg mike coulter uh bill Hader. Well, oh well i had to be like this but mike coulter was not a big deal at this point right right okay. but what i'm saying is like you would know him and then down the road you know that's i mean that's networking you yeah. know so so yeah i mean tons tons of names of course yeah. in this one um and i think that's really like the this acting is, is pretty yeah yeah that that's what i was gonna say like the acting is what made this film uh made it what it is for me um i will say that like i like in this one which in in number okay so in the first men in black we of course have where you know, K and J go around and they have to visit a couple different aliens. And we need that for the integration of um, Jay's character. Uh, we need the, like the integration of him into the world of the aliens, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so we need that interaction. However, they repeat that same, same trope. It's not really a trope, structure. but uh yeah, they they repeat that same structure in Men in Black 2, and it's not needed because we're already in that world. And, you know, it's a continuation of what we had already set before. So we didn't really need that um, in the second one. And then in this one, they kind of did away with that. I mean, they have a couple. They have like this is a one. Smarter, this one does it. Yeah, smarter and more natural. Yeah, it's, uh, a, yeah. it's a role reversal that works just because there's time travel involved. Like this is a younger K. So like, it makes sense. Like everything here makes sense that Jay would be like, I'm in charge here. And of course it would make sense that K would be like, I'm not listening to you. Cause like, why would you listen to him? (laughs) You know, like, and it's a really fun dynamic to just also just see, like there's stuff in this movie where it slows down. And that's actually what I really miss about like modern blockbusters is moments where the characters slow down. I don't mm-hmm. even the Jumanji movies, which I cited as an example of a good throwback blockbuster. Do this, does this. And I think about the scene at the diner where um, Jay is talking. No, Kay is talking about his relationship with O, and Jay just kind of sits back and is like, "What happened to you?" And it's just like a really like quiet acknowledgement of the, the, the tragedy of aging. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's great. Like it's like this is so. It's very weird. Like you would not expect from the first movie, first the first one, which is great. You wouldn't expect that the next two movies later you'd get like this kind of. It's still an action comedy that's really funny, but it's very serious. It knows when they get serious, and the emotional heart of it really hits well. Um, I think this is the only of the three Men in Black movies that has a good third act. The only mm. one that has a good third act. Because yeah. I know you don't like Boris, but I think the moment where. Uh, he does the time jump trick on him. It's great. I love that moment. It's so fun. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the emotional catharsis of the end. I, I didn't tear up, but I did get like, I felt like getting really emotional watching it. And like, it's, I want to talk about this aspect of it because I think we have to mention it. Is that this film, and this is why I think it worked well for me the first time I saw it without seeing the first one. It retcons a lot of what we know of them mm. in their relationship in the first movie. 
But all the retcons work in service of having a good emotional core and keeping still the J and K relationship intact. That yeah. I don't mind the retcons being there. And because there's so many like I think of now like how the big trope of movies and heck, even a year after this, Star Trek and Darkness, I think, comes out and does this trope um, where the villain is like, I was behind everything. And it's very possible this movie could play as like, oh, it was always like K always wanted to find J, you know, like in that retcon, like feeling more. But it doesn't like it doesn't feel like that's a thing here. It only feels like maybe that's what is this reality where now this time travel event has happened. But originally, it's just like, you know, this was just a kid, you know, that K helps. And it's like, I think the ending is brilliant. I, I really just yeah. think it's phenomenal. Yeah, like, such a shockingly rawly emotional I, ending. <laughs> like, well, I mean, you like you you think about connect like connecting that the ending with the past scene with uh, uh, how K and J meet in the first film. And it's not like it's some predetermined destiny for Jay to become a men in black agent. You know, they just happen to their paths just happen to cross again in the future, you know? And, and And it's like, we're going to hide this from him once like he realizes that it's the person, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it it works. It it does. It does. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's a wink to the audience. You know, that's like, yeah. Can you know make the make the connections here, but uh, yeah, I would almost say this is this is a sequel that enriches its predecessors, and, you know, with uh, story wise. And I kind of said this, but like this is the only one of the three that decides its emotional backbone should be their friendship. The mm. other two all like get caught up in this romance subplot that never matters. By the way, never works. Love that yeah. we never mentioned. And that's the other kind of like too. We never mentioned really the end of one in this one where like he gets erased, like not even acknowledge that that happened. And right. we don't even acknowledge that um, he apparently left beautiful girl because she's nowhere in the past. And I'm okay with that too. It's all like, yeah, okay. Like we don't like, that's all, that would all be a distraction for this movie and the story it's trying to tell. I don't mind mm-hmm. that it's retconning it or like ignoring it because yeah. this story works. And yeah, it's surprising that it works as well as it does to me. Now, uh, how do you think? Because the crossover uh, between Men in Black and Jump Street was supposed to ha- like, yeah, we, we it was rumored before International, right? Like before International was even a thing. Well, Jonah Hill said it's just never going to happen. Jonah Hill right. said it because of rights issues, because they're combining TV rights with Marvel rights. Mm, and it's really gotcha. hard to like get that to work. Yeah. Royalties and stuff. So, so any, anyways, <laughs> it's uh, it is, I mean, it is, it is a shame, but like, what do you think that continuation would we continue with, with Jay? You know, would we continue with J and K? I, and well, I'm sorry. I, I can we Jango and Schmitty or what? Well, we're not going to do Jango and Schmitty. I, I don't think we're ever going to get another jump stream, really. Sadly, yeah, because uh, even even Jump Street twenty two Jump Street makes the joke of like in the credits where they're showing all the sequels, they even do a joke where it's like, "Here's one where they're eighty years old." <laughs> like they yeah, even have that. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're ever gonna get like a year later sequel for Jump Street. Um, well, okay, can I can I talk just a little bit more on that? I know I know we're trying to move on and wrap it up. That's kind of why we're doing this, but I do. I had a little bit more to say about Men in Black three, and that okay. would lead me more into this in a more organic way. Which is that I think going off what I was saying about the third act is that, and I'm going to say it now also because otherwise I would gush about him in my MVP section and I'll just do it now and I won't gush about him then. Is I think another reason this movie really works is that Michael Stuhlberg, uh, who's basically playing the MacGuffin of the whole movie, does a very sincere performance. Like, it's so easy to make the character he's doing be annoying. Yeah. But he's just playing it like a wide-eyed kid that Mm -hmm. like... And I think it's such an interesting element to put in a movie about time travel, the idea of all these predestined, uh, like being able to see the alternate futures in a movie about time. Like there are two separate versions of time travel in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and there is, a, I bring him up and before I answer your question, it's because I was to do a men in black Four. um, the obvious answer to me is to 
bring Will on and do a legacy sequel type of thing where he mentors like new people. And I would bring back Stuhlberg's character in the present day, in a sense. Mm. Uh, Because I think I would bring back Emma Thompson as well. Uh, I think the issue of Men in Black, well, there's a lot of issues of Men in Black International. Uh, We'll talk about them if we've ever watched it. Um, But the one thing it thankfully doesn't do is even though it's set in the same continuity of these movies, it doesn't ever go like, Oh, these guys die. You know, like it never like wipes yeah, them off. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just like this is a different corner of the world that deals with different issues. So we're not going to talk about what happens in New York. Mm. Um which I think smartly leaves. I think you do need to do, especially after the taste of Men in Black International, is a legacy sequel. And the issue would be is if Will Smith wants to come on board, and the issue would be there also is finding a script that would give Will Smith a good role where he's not the lead, but he'd be willing to mentor someone. I don't know who I'd pick for my pairing. That's really the question. Is like, if you were to reboot, yeah. who would you pair? I think who? obviously Men in Black International proves you shouldn't just like lift it from out of a franchise. You know, I mean, you can always get Chris Pratt to do it. He'll say yes to it. So, <laughs> I mean, something like Michael. B. I'm not Jordan. saying it's. A, I was like, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but or you know, I'd get you know, I'd get for one of them, I'd get the young one to be Steve Yin. From uh, Walking Dead and Minari. I know you haven't seen Minari. In Invincible. Yeah. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he'd be a really good younger role in it. You know what I mean? Or like the rookie role. I don't know. I really don't know. The issue is also is right now we, we, we exist in a, just in a world where these characters... Hollywood doesn't believe in building up actors to be stars. The stars are the characters that they're buying to see. You know? Right. Like, so yeah. Like, there's the, it's hard to be like, oh, who's the current Will Smith? Who's the current Tommy Lee Jones? The current Tommy Lee Jones is probably J.K. Simmons, but that's irrelevant because you can't sell a movie on J.K. It's also the thing is you can't just remake this movie. You can't just remake these movies in this dynamic. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the issue with, um, I've ever told you my thing of Indiana Jones that I've always found is, I think is one of the biggest bummers, uh, in the world, not in the world, but in, in, in like, Hollywood history, in Hollywood, blockbuster history. I think it's such a shame that we didn't get an Indiana Jones 4 in like 1996 with a different actor. Because mm. originally Indiana Jones was conceptualized as this will be America's version of James Bond. Interesting. Uh, and to me that means, okay, so Spielberg's one could be Harrison Ford. That would be the defining one. And then 96 or 97, they should have Spielberg should have given it to a different director and had a different Indiana Jones. Okay, okay, yeah, I see. It, we would have like, we would have I see like what you're saying. Indiana yeah. Jones movies by now with a bunch of different actors. And I was in the, and that's kind of what I feel like with men in black in a sense. Yeah. In this, is that the issue is, is that men in black three is, even though it's 10 years old, it's still too recent to feel like we can totally reboot. Mm-hmm. Especially when we did international a few years back and it was terrible. It was terrible. The number one thing I don't want them to do. Sony, please don't. Cause I know it was surprisingly financially successful for you despite the pandemic. Please don't say, huh, how about for Men in Black 3, we make it so these are a bunch of kids who discover neuralizers and aliens. And these kids go around their small town and realize that 25 years ago, there was a giant bug who caused an issue at the World's Fair. And at the end of the, th- the, end of the movie, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones come and save everyone. I haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, but <laughs> that's why I don't want a serious adventure version of Men in Black. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to. Be That's understandable. Kids. Yeah, I don't want to be about children. Like these movies are all too raunchy to be to make three movies about children. And by, like, they're, <laughs> they're like PG thirteen raunchy. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they're not. They're made for like edgy thirteen year old. How about how about? Because Danny, you and I have been casting uh, our Midnight Suns lately, and so like. How about, because I've jokingly said we should get Pete Davidson to play Blackheart um, in the Ghost Rider film and have him just be, it just, he's, he's terrible at everything <laughs> he does. Sorry, and just guys. have, have Pete Davidson be Will Smith's minty. <laughs> that, oh, have that. Have okay. that. Yeah, that's good. I don't know why. That, that, that That's funny, but. Can I just tell you why I started laughing? For some what? reason, it just popped in my head, like, who would be someone who's a good older actor? And you said Pete Davidson. I just thought, Pete Davidson and Denzel Washington. <laughs> <laughs> the worst combination imaginable. 
That would be like two different films in one. That that's what would go like Denzel would be he would be he'd be so serious. He'd be like man on fire. It's it'd be alien it'd be alien um with Denzel, whereas uh, Pete Davidson's just like Here's my uh, here's a yeah. serious recommendation for who could actually be Will Smith's person he's mentioned. Oh, I was I, being serious. <laughs> I want Pete Davidson to be his minty. <laughs> here's the thing. I think Will Smith would just like leave set after like three days. Just make me annoyed. <laughs> I think Taron Edgerton. Taron Edgerton would be a cool pick. Um I also, if we're not bringing back Emma Thompson, my choice for like replacement MIB head, I just popped in my head would be Michael Rooker. I think Michael Rooker would be a great MIB head. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. They should just make it another dumpster movie, though. <laughs> they really should. Just give me another dumpster movie. Uh, Have yeah. uh, Ice Cube be the new head of... He's not vaccinated, so... <laughs> oh. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, should we do our awards? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for this Edgerton. Just so the audience knows, I could have talked, gushed about Men in Black 3 for another 45 minutes. We didn't even talk about Murderville, but we're going to move on. Or Will Arnett. You and I had a star of Murderville. (laughs) Will Arnett, who I have no idea who he is, what he looks like, but yeah. Yeah. Star of Murderville. Uh huh. Yeah, Star of Murderville. Star Murderville, which I was Star only going to watch because of Kamal Nanjiani, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's the lead, though. Anyway, MVP. I already said him. Michael Stuhlberg. He plays a role that could be easily terrible and makes it like a weirdly beating heart of the movie. I think there's an incredible amount of good options for MVP here, though. So. And I will back you up on that by saying my MVP is Josh Brolin playing Tommy Lee Jones playing Agent K. Um, Felicia thought that that really was Tommy Lee Jones de-aged. And um, I just think amazing how much more impressive it is when you get actors. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Josh Brolin. He's he had. He had it all the way down to. I mean, he's got the mannerisms. Uh, He's he has the like speech patterns down and I'm just like, like my goodness. And it, Brolin, it still like, has an emotional backbone to it. Too. Yes. Yes. Like, it does not feel like an empty, uh, an empty impersonation. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a different character coming on. It just, it really feels like it's, it's K from the past. I totally buy it. And yeah, there's, just fan, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, what about your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene is uh, okay. I'll I'll tell you it, but I do want to add because it, it, I'm not adding anything really to MVP. I'm just kind of pointing it out. Is both our scenes are about Will Smith, who I think I've said this before. I don't know if I said it when we were recording, but I think this is probably one of my favorite Will Smith's performances, if not my favorite, uh, because it has a lot of emotional stuff to it mm-hmm. does a really good job like leading the plot and by leading the plot I mean like he never feels like he's in over his head in this movie and he's talking to he's mentoring a lot and it works really well and it's yeah. weird to see Will Smith in that role because we don't usually do uh, and I think Will Smith would probably actually be my number two behind Stuhlberg uh, which mm. is saying a lot because yeah there's a, re- there's a really great cast but yeah and another scene that will smith acts brilliantly and is a scene i've already talked about which is when him he's just sit, sitting in the bushes finding out the truth about his dad mm-hmm. and it's just so like that's what i think about it it's it's a raw emotional scene that's at the end of this action comedy about aliens but it works because it feels like all three movies have kind of built with despite it being a new developments in the story i yeah. really really love it i think it's a phenomenal Phenomenal way to make a. Re- it also gives you a reason to make this movie ten years later. Like that scene is the reason yeah. to come back to these characters. Yeah, yeah. That that scene also like the setup for it. It doesn't feel like it's set up. It's not predictable. It's kind of like come on, come on, Will Smith. You know, like the let's get back to the future and then just enough hints to yeah. to give you this. Yeah, where it doesn't feel like it's pulling it out of nowhere. There's just enough foreshadowing, but it still hits like a like a gut. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like whoa, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene is Will Smith learning or not learning about time travel. I really like how this, like you had also said earlier, I really like how this film handles time travel. And it's like, we're not going to sit here and explain all the rules about time travel and get ourselves uh, wrapped up in that and caught up and then called out for an inconsistency or whatever, um, or a hole in our logic. And instead, it it's the guy that has the time travel devices. He's like, "Yeah, sure, do this or do this." I mean, it's 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 worth the, worth a guess, you know. The only air quotes plot hole in the movie to me is how did the guy get his uh, time travel jump thing back from Boris? But like, I also don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like whatever uh, type of thing. Yeah, and I, as I said, I really like the visual of the time travel too. Mm. It looks really cool. Yeah, the actor for uh, for the guy who I can't I don't know who it is. Uh, it's the electronic store clerk. Uh, just that actor was really good with his comedic He's timing. Funny, and yeah. him and Will Smith bounce bounce off of each other uh, really well in that scene. Oh, he was he's yeah. an MCU actor. He oh, is in, he really? Uh, he's in Spider Man Homecoming. He's the oh. tinkerer in Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, that's right. That's, that, I'm like, ah, yes, yes, that's, yes. that's why he looks familiar. There, there are so many, so many uh, actors that I'm like, I've seen you somewhere, and then, yeah, of course. Well, well, I, we actually forgot to talk about the topic, but before I say that, I want to make a quick joke about actors that you mentioned because this movie reminded me, and we've talked about Jump Street actually a lot this episode. Is uh, Bill Hader's cameo in this reminded me of why when he shows up. In the Jump Street credits for his cameo there, I turned to my friend and go like, can't believe they got Michael Shannon to cameo in this. And they all looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> and because I think he looks like Michael Shannon in this one, too. Like, I, like, <laughs> anyway, uh, I just want to uh, add that on the record. He looks like oh, Michael Shannon. Right. I, I uh, will agree to disagree. So. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, what uh, but the, the, the worst... topic we forgot about. No, no, we did forget yeah. about topic. Okay. Because you want to talk about this. Was the visual effects. Yeah. yeah, I mean the first one was better. The yeah. this this one, and I think it's because I touched on it earlier. Uh, it's it's because of that translation from three D. Yeah, to, I think also over like, words it just it just doesn't do so the, well. The only part of the film where the effects look really bad to me, which is weird, is I think the compositing looks terrible for twenty twelve. And by that I mean you know like when there's obviously like a great screen background on them. It yeah, awful. It does, um, but, and this is the same year that. Um, New York had a big beam of light shining up and aliens flying around. You know? a, yeah, and like, yeah, there, there are better. And this was expensive. This movie was very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> this is extremely expensive. Well, and Wrath of the Titans had way better CGI than. than I've never know, seen it. This one. <laughs> I've never so, um, Skyfall. You just need to see better. it the one time. So, uh-huh. uh, what? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Skyfall has CGI, but. Yeah, it's I just, gorgeous, gorgeous film. Anyway. It is. Okay. Speaking of gorgeous things, what is the worst scene for you? All right. All right. Sorry for delaying so long to get to this time. I apologize. I I just have to know what is the worst scene. It's uh it's in the opening third. It's the uh, Chinese restaurant fight. It's just it's, I I just don't like it. It's kind of like, oh, this would be a cool setup, but like as I said, Tang Lee Jones has no energy here. And I want to say also, Timely Jones was nominated for an Oscar in 2012. So maybe his mind was somewhere else, like on that movie. Yeah. He was in Lincoln. Um, but also, it's just like, I it means I also know he doesn't always phone it in if he got nominated for an Oscar this year, you know? So it's like, kind of just like, eh. uh, I just don't, I, I don't like the characters in the Chinese restaurant fight. Um, kind of reminds me of like why I don't really like Tony Shalhoub in the first two movies. Mm. It, just, it just was annoying to me. You know, um, I think I think I did slobber, Will Smith the dirty from the fish by, is very 3D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I did Will Smith dirty by voting Tony Shalhoub as my MVP for Men in Black 2. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I would like, agree. Yeah. I think Will Smith holds that movie. I'm like Will, Will Smith definitely should have had had that from me. Uh, uh Sorry, so, but we never yeah. gave an MVP award for these movies. That's that's true. Um yeah, I agree about the Chinese restaurant fight. It's cringe. And also, like, 
Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Agent K just goes like super boomer on this, on this, in this moment. And where, yeah. And I just, it's kind of out of nowhere. It also, there were a couple things that like K says in, at the beginning of this film that I'm like, where did that come from? Like, he says all the derogatory stuff in the Chinese uh, restaurant. And then he, he says something, um, when they're driving in the car, it, it feels that like we missed like a TV show. Yeah. And yeah. it, it's, it's like he's, he says something in the car at the beginning of the movie that alludes to him being like he is an alien or something. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this, yeah. This, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, that's within that first 25 minutes of the film that is not in the Ty and Dan cut. What, the what's film, your so. worst scene? My worst scene. Is it in scene, the first 25 minutes? It is. It is the prison break intro scene. Yeah. It's just, it's unnecessary. You don't need it. Especially when later on they're like, oh, hey, guess what? The fact that them breaking out of the moon base. <laughs> this guy so broke bad. out. Yes. That shot is terrible. It, just, yeah. Yeah. I honestly, if I would have seen this in theaters, I don't know. I would have almost, I would have wanted to leave after that intro scene. I would have been like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll go see Dark Knight Rises or whatever else. We yeah. Avengers again, probably Avengers again. Probably Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably go see Avengers. So, all right, we can wrap it up. But I do want to say, oh, wait, did you want to say about the Prison Break? Or are you good? Uh, don't watch it. That's that's the only thing. <laughs> Skip the first scene. <laughs> Skip the first twenty five minutes of the film. Wait till the time jumps. Kind of guess what happens. And well, the actual point to get in would be the scene where he's on the phone with um. Like, like they're talking to each other right before K dies. Dies, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that'd be the scene to jump it on. Um, but anyway, one last dig I want to put in before we get to our farewells. Uh, Michael Stuhlberg used brilliantly here. Unfortunately, he is an MCU actor that was wasted in the most like he is the most, in my opinion, he is the single most wasted actor that's ever been in the MCU. Yeah. So bizarre that he has his role that he has in Doctor Strange. But anyway. Yep. yep. And I I had, I had wondered, I was like, he looks so familiar. Who the heck was he? He's in a rival. Uh, yeah. 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 Which, Brilliant character actor. I'm surprised he hasn't been Oscar nominated. He should have been Oscar nominated for Call Me By Your Name. Um, but he actually is um fun fact about Michael Stuhlberg, and then we will close it. He appeared in three out of nine nominations for Best Picture in 2017. He was in the post, Call Me By Your Name in the Shape of Water. It's pretty, I think that's an interesting stat. Anyway. Yeah. We can wrap it up. Wrap. Oh, wait. Before we wrap it up, we have to tell the listeners what's happening next week. What is happening next week? We are, I don't know if you guys realize this, but Morbius should have been out of <laughs> Should have. Hey, a, a comment that we could have made for the entire existence of our podcast, by the way, because it was scheduled <laughs> to open before we started this podcast. Yes. Um, but now when it's opening, it opens the same week Moon Knight comes out on Disney Plus, which means we cannot do our Films of Daniel Espinosa episode close to the date. We're going to do it now when Morbius was supposed to come out. We're going to come with you with the films from the Morbius director next week. We're going to see if we can find... Honestly, we'll be interesting to see if we can find anything to talk about, but we're gonna watch them. So, look, one of the films, one of the films has Denzel, uh, two of the films has Ryan Reynolds, and the other one's got Tom Hardy. I think we'll have plenty to talk about. I, well, I've seen one of them. one of his movies. I've seen, and I'm not really excited. I've not <laughs> seen any of these, so I'm I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll you guys will hear that next time. Um. And do you have anyone you want to thank? Because I've been talking a lot. Do I have anyone that I want to thank? Yeah. I want to thank one person in particular. One outstanding gentleman, Joe Schremer, for editing this episode. The OG Griffin. You can see all the time and space. He's Griffin. He is the the Griffin of the TDCU. The Tie and Dan Cinematic Universe. TDCU. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's that is our cue, though. We need to wrap things up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goodbye, okay. Men in Black. We had a fun three weeks with you. Someday yes. we will return for your forkwell, but some big big someday on that one. <laughs> someday when we have absolutely no other choices. Nothing else we can talk about. Even when Blade Trinity, like we don't have that even. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.